Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. It's an E, the worst football I've ever seen. I'm coming back to England, man, and I'm keeping my titles. I just remember the atmosphere was incredible. I think that was one of the games that I couldn't wait to get out of. That that was a really important moment in winning the bid as well. Yeah, it just puts you on the spot. Like you just kind of done there with me. <laughs> At least you joined in. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. This podcast has been set up by Technolwood School and our aim is to teach our students new skills through podcasting. Each week we chat to famous sportsmen and women from around the world. We delve deep into their sporting careers, their highs and lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. All of our students' hard work and dedication has paid off as we've recently won a Global Sports Podcast Award for the best equality in social sports podcast. That's enough from me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, which are our students who host the podcast, and I will let them introduce today's guest. Thank you. Tenorwood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. We have a slightly different episode for you today on the TWS Sports Podcast. We are going to be focusing on the Football World Cup, which starts soon, and we are joined by three special guests. We are represented here by three out of the four teams in in Group B. We are joined by former Welsh midfielder Dave Edwards, former Premier League manager Dave Jones and former USA goalkeeper Brad Friedel. How are you all today? Great, thank you. All good? Very well, thank you. <laughs> okay, um, I have a quick question for the two Daves. Do we have any nicknames we can call you to or is that going to get confusing? <laughs> in, in football, I was always called Edo, if that helps. But, or you can just say Dave, Edo. just... Yeah, or yeah, just say Dave Edwards, that's fine. Okay, so yeah. Edo and... Dave. Well, I've been called many Edo. things, so Dave's fine by me. Okay, Edo and Dave, gotcha. Yeah. Um, before we start, I presume you all know each other. You must have played against each other a number of times in the Premier League, or your paths must have crossed somehow. Any members of playing against each other? My team's playing against uh, Brad's and uh, Dave's teams in the past, um, but I haven't got any uh, specific memories about it. I, ho- I hope I did win when I played against <laughs> the pair of them, um, but I'm not sure fun. if I did or whatever. So, um, but no, I definitely crossed paths 
with um, Edo and uh, Brad in the past. We played against each other. Uh, you were at Wolves, I think, when we played against each other. Wouldn't that be right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the Premier League probably with Wolves, it was between 2009, 10 to about 2012. So I'm sure you was in your yeah, prime I, then, Brad. Well, I was in, uh, when was it there? I was Blackburn. I was probably at Villa. I was uh, yeah. I was getting uh, near my near 40 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> still, still, still plugging away. Um, yeah. Before we start as well, please feel free to ask questions to each other about the World Cup or feel free to continue the conversation and follow up with your own questions. We don't just want this to be us asking all the questions, so please, if you have a question or something to say, then please ask. If you want to debate over a certain player or team or something, then please do. Yes, this is a conversation, not an interrogation. (laughs) (laughs) As Adam should learn by now. Okay. We're going to start off with your World Cup memories as a child. Child, Is there a certain World Cup memory that you can think of for any of you? But my, my memories of probably of the team that should have won something, um, which was the likes of um, when they had Rooney and Owen and people like that playing, Lampard and Gerrard. Um, but we got beaten in the semi-finals, really. In quarter-finals, we were getting beaten. But my memories of the team that should have done better than what uh, what they did, really. Um, I was over in America watching um, the last World Cup, so it was good to see. Um, but my memories isn't of playing, but it is more of watching probably an England team that should have done more than what they did, to be honest. Um, yeah, I've, I've never played in a World Cup either, but... Uh, this will be Wales's first one since 1958. So I've got no real Wales memories, but my first one I can remember watching myself was uh, Italia 90. That was my first real football memory. Um, saw Gaza playing so well for England in that tournament. I used to have an old videotape of it and I used to just re-watch it all the time. So that's where my, my love for football first came from a World Cup. Um, Brad, for you, the first World Cup would have seen with USA in would have been the 1990 World Cup in Italy. What do you remember of that World Cup and watching it as a fan? Yeah, so my, my first memory goes back 1982 and then vividly 86 in Mexico. Um, and that was where Diego Maradona scored that unbelievable goal, actually against England. Thanks for that, Brad. Yeah, you, you got <laughs> oh, it. No. Only touching the ball about 75 times with his left foot, tearing through the entire squad, and then the, uh, <laughs> the hand of God. Um, uh, so it is the football in America, we, we didn't even have a professional league at the time when I was growing up. So when a World Cup came around um, in certain areas, it was even hard to watch a match. It, even, even in the 1990 World Cup, it was a bit better because we were in there. Um, I was friends with the goalkeeper who... Um, who played? I was in with the Olympic team at the time. Uh, it was under twenty three, um, so I like Tony Miola played in that in the nineteen ninety World Cup, um, and Dave Vinoli, uh, who went to the same university as me, was there. So I started to know personally some of the players that were playing in the ni- nineteen ninety World Cup, and we made uh, for mainly amateur players. We made a pretty good account of ourselves. Um, I think we only lost to Italy one nil. Um, I think Czech. Uh, Czechoslovakia at the time they beat us quite badly 
Um, and then uh, I forget what the result was against Austria, but I think we were competitive in two of the three games. Um, then we go to 1994. So I was part of the 94, 98, and 2002 squads. All completely different for um, for me based on playing in them. For one, in 1994, I was the number two and I didn't get on the uh, pitch. But um, just the how uh, football was growing in the U.S., that all three World Cups were different. Because in 1994, even though it was in the U.S., uh, it, it was predominantly a, a, a foreign tournament. And, you know, there's more more fans for the opposition than there were for us. And then 98, the sport grew again in 2002 in uh, Japan and Korea. All of a sudden, fans were waking up at, at ungodly hours of the morning to watch us play. And uh, football really took off. And we made it to the quarterfinals. Um, and uh, against Germany, we lost. And the man of the match was Oliver Kahn, their goalkeeper. So we, we, we made a really good account of ourselves in the uh, 2002 World Cup. We had a lot of players by that time uh, playing around the European leagues and top European leagues. So we became we became very competitive. Um, you know, we fast forward to today. Uh, we have we have a strong squad that'll uh, it'll be a match for uh, Wales and a match for a match for England if everyone's fit. As part of this World Cup special episode, we asked some previous guests, some sportsmen and women, and some football fans for their thoughts on the upcoming World Cup. We asked them a few questions and we had a few responses from a few guests. So throughout this episode, we're going to drop in some of their thoughts and feelings about the upcoming up and coming World Cup. Um, so yeah, check out them and see what they have to say. It's even worse for Wales, I'm afraid, Dave. The last time Wales qualified for a World Cup was 1958 in Sweden. Sadly, I cannot ask you about that World Cup as you were not born. Nope. However, when you were a child in the 90s and 2000s, Wales were going through some really tough times. What are your memories of watching Wales as a child? Not great. Not great. Oh. We, 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 had, um, we had good players. We really did. Um, the likes of Ian Rush and Dean Saunders, players like that. So it was exciting. Ryan Giggs, of course, but never, ever got close really to get into the World Cup. There was close to a Euros in 2004 when they lost in a playoff, but to a World Cup in my lifetime, not really. Um, maybe when I was maybe when I was very young, they had a, a playoff game where they missed a penalty. But um, yeah, so I've never known it. I didn't think I'd see it in my lifetime. As a player, we thought we had a chance in 2018. We um, we we played in the group. We did quite well and it went down to the last game in the group. We played Republic of Ireland and we needed to beat Republic of Ireland at home to get to a playoff game and we ended up losing 1-0 and that was bitterly disappointing and that was kind of one of my last games to Wales. I always wanted to play at a World Cup but I'm just so glad now that the, the team's finally got there and we get to enjoy it and I, I can't wait to start watching it. The World Cup has been full of amazing times and difficult times for England. They won the World Cup in 1966 Dave, I know you would have only been a young boy, but do you have any memories of watching England win that World Cup? I watched it with my father and my brothers. We were, yeah, I was only young, but I still remember England winning it. I mean, it it became a, a, a cross to bear, really, because since then, that's the only thing that everybody ever, ever speaks about is the last time England won a tournament was in 66. So they've had to carry 
that around for many, many years. We thought a couple of years ago that we were actually going to win something, um, but lost on penalties again. So I think at the, the end of the day, it's you, talk, you, you said to Dave, I think trying to get to the World Cup, once, once they've achieved it, which they have done now, it's like a big weight that's lifted from 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 the team itself. Same with America. You know, it's once once you've you've achieved that, then it becomes as if you're expected to get through to the uh, the next tournament and the tournaments after that. I think with England itself, because of winning the World Cup once, there's always been that pressure on the players that they they've now got to go and do it again, and that that becomes another battle within a battle itself, really. But um, no, I, I, do, I don't remember much about the game, but I remember that everybody, uh, like like the last time we got to a final where the whole country seemed to shut down and nobody, you know, everybody was indoors watching watching it and hoping and praying that we, we would win another tournament. But I do think we've got a chance this this time round. I, th- I think it's got a total order because there's many good teams but I think we've got as good a chance as anybody else So we asked former England cricket player and England cricket head coach David Lloyd aka Bumble what his thoughts on the upcoming World Cup are I know he's a big football fan so we thought it'd be great to get his views and here's what David Lloyd thinks about the World Cup Hi it's Bumble here with a very very quick message about the Football World Cup Who will be England's standout player? Phil Forden and who's going to win it Argentina let's see moving on to your experiences at major tournaments Brad and Dave you have played at either a World Cup or a European Championship in your countries can you tell us what it is like in the build up to a major tournament right you can go first I'm going to go first um, yeah so our, our season um so when I was playing in the Premier League and then building up to a World Cup, uh, MLS's season was still going on over here. So um, it was a different buildup for the players that were playing in Europe and the players that were playing in uh, inside the domestic league over here. Um, a great thing for for me, especially the if I go to the um, 2002 World Cup, um, Bruce Arena was very was very relaxed about us uh, coming in and. Um, after a long season and sort of getting our bodies mentally and physically prepared so we could play a lot of golf. We could relax a lot by the poolside and things of that nature. We didn't, we didn't have the media um, scrutiny that some of the other nations had, you know, where they were picking on our every, our every movement. So the first, uh, the first week or two after the season ended um, was, was really, um, I'll say this as I'm sitting here bold, but let your hair down type of, um, type of moment uh so we i remember the build-up being quite relaxing and then we would allow we would have the mls players the domestic players come that were joining the squad they would join us and then after about two weeks then we really got down to it and it was sort of then a, a mini uh a mini preseason. so um it's really exciting times and while we we're on american soil before we went to korea japan you sort of feel like you're preparing for a World Cup, but not really. Once you touch down, then then you feel it. Um, and back in 2002, the security that we had because of what was going on in the world was incredible. I mean, everywhere we went, we had um, armored vehicles in the front and the back and four Chinook helicopters above us on on each side of our uh, bus. And we'd, we'd never we'd never 
witnessed or been a part of anything like that as a as American player. So it was it was all a bit surreal from that standpoint. But um, but once we touch once we touch ground over there, you play a couple of friendlies. Uh, then it, it's one of the most exhilarating feelings out that you can have as a footballer to walk out. Uh, Portugal was our first game. And to walk out against this the star-studded Portuguese team and have us up three nil after like twenty three minutes was was one of the best uh, euphoric feelings that you can have in football. I was the same, just just really really excited, and it was Wales's first time qualifying for a tournament since since nineteen fifty eight. So it was huge for the nation. Don't think there was much expectation, so we we just wanted to really enjoy it. I think leading into it, I was more worried about being fit. I was that scared of missing the tournament with an injury. And I imagine a lot of the players will be like that at the moment. Um, not wanting to get injured in their last game before the tournament because they, these are once-in-a-lifetime experiences and you don't want to miss it. So I remember being quite edgy about that. Um, and then it was just trying to, for myself personally, just find a way that I can I can get on the pitch to do as well as I can in training and, and make sure I'm in the manager's thoughts. But yeah, the overriding emotion was just pure excitement. I was just so, so happy to be to be selected first and foremost, but then to have this opportunity to to play in a competition which you dream of as a dream of as a kid, and it's sort of the absolute pinnacle of of a player's career to play at a major tournament. So yeah, I was excited. Um, Dave, you must have managed a number of players who have played in major tournaments, either World Cups, Euros, African Cup, or of nations, etc. As a as a manager, do you notice a difference in these players in the lead up to a tournament? Because things like fear of injury, nerves might come into play. Yeah, I think uh, Dave's just answered that. Really, that few games before they're they're due to go, you do you do see a sort of tendency. Players don't want to get injured. It's not that they're not trying. Uh, that's just a natural occurrence, really. That players are always going to be fearful of getting an injury you know, the last game or the game before they're due to travel. Um, my, my my recollection of uh, the African players were always difficult to get back from tournaments. So we always used to send one of the staff to go and watch the game and make sure that they came back because otherwise they, they went on another holiday for a couple of weeks, even oh, when no. the tournament had finished. Um, but um, the majority of the time, I would think, you do notice that um, players do have a tendency to, they don't want to get injured. And of course, you would hate to uh, a player to get so close to, to be travelling and then pick up an injury. Um, and, and that does happen. You, you've seen that over many, many tournaments. Um, but even even in cup finals, even if you're in an FA Cup final or a League Cup final, you, you do see players do sort of tend to back off a little bit. And it's trying to keep that going. They're, they're not pulling out or whatever, but it's quite understandable that you do not want to miss one of the biggest tournaments, if not the biggest tournament in the world. And um, I think that, that 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 must be a major factor to any coach, any player, that you don't want to pick up an injury, certainly when you're so close. And, you know, England have just lost Chilwell and Brazil have lost Coutinho and that. Uh, you know, so it's um, it must be a, a big fear for a player. And I'm sure that's, you know, what Dave and Brad, because they've, you know, been in them tournaments, must, it must be very difficult. You don't, you want to go in and play your best, 
and keep playing your best because you want to get selected. But also that fear must still it must be there. As a player, how much does it play on your mind about getting injured before a major tournament? Especially this year where we stop the season and immediately go into a World Cup. Dave, I know you had a bad injury leading up to the Euros in 2016 as a player. It must be in the back of your mind when a World Cup is around the corner. Yeah, so I, I, I broke my foot in the January, the end of the January before the tournament in the summer. And I was, as soon as I did it, I knew I broke a bone. And I was asking the physio as soon as I got on the treatment table, I was playing away at QPR and got into the dressing room straight away. I got my phone out with my calendar and I said, how long is this going to be? Um, and he said, oh, it's going to be 12 weeks if it goes well. Straight away, I was looking and that kind of got me back about two or three games before the end of the season. So that laser focused me with my rehab. I've never been so dedicated to football as what I was for those 12 weeks because I was going to give it my absolutely everything to make sure that I was in the, the best place possible to make sure I was at a tournament. So, yeah, it's it's nerve-wracking. And when you do go down and get those moments, you, you really do fear. But I say it's, it's you've got to try and go into football matches not thinking about that because more often than not, when you start to pull out of tackles and things like that, you end up getting hurt a little bit more because you're not braced for it properly. So you've got to try and forget that when you go out on the pitch. But I'd be lying if it wasn't in the back of your mind. Yeah, every every major event um, that I was a part of uh, with the um, Olympics on top of that, we had a big injury. Um, whether it's Chris Armas doing his, uh, his ACL, Steve Trundolo, who just won the league over here, was a manager now with LAFC. I think his was an ACL while we were over in Korea, Japan. I, you know, I remember um, a player at the Olympic team. You, none of you will know his name. His name was uh, Rhett Hardy, but he went through two years of qualification, two years of traveling everywhere around um, Central America, Mexico, South America with us and injured his back the day before we were going over to Barcelona, the Olympics. You know, it, it, that's just part and parcel of the game. The, what I would add is this World Cup, um, which is going to be a shame, I think will probably be the most injury hit World Cup that we have because of when it when it is. You know, players are playing all the way up until, uh, what, seven or eight days before the first game. And I think we'll we'll still see a couple drop out with a, even if you get the odd hamstring, that's going to knock you out at this stage, will knock you out of the uh, the World Cup. So you can't, you can't let up, like what Dave said, you can't go in and your trainings and games uh apprehensive and you know play not to get injured because then you're you're likely to get an injury but um but injuries are just something that occurs so it, it's a terrible thing must be a t- never happened to me thank thank goodness but um it must be a terrible thing to deal with as a player if you miss out through injury on a uh, on a on a world event one of our very first guests on the podcast johnny owen johnny owen's a big welsh football fan he's a tv director, he's an actor, he's a musician, and here his, are his thoughts on what he thinks about Wales and the World Cup in general. Who will be Wales' standout player? Uh, it's hard to look past Gareth Bale, as always. He's been such a talisman for us over the over the years. A greatest ever player, in my opinion, now. Dragged us over the line so many times. So I think he'll be instrumental again. But look for young Brennan Johnson as well. Uh, been fantastic for Nottingham Forest, certainly last season. This season in the Premier League, you know, it's a different level, but, you know, he's still in there, trying his best, scored some goals. So, Gareth Bale and a young Brennan Johnson. 
which team will be the surprise team. I think Argentina will be the team to beat this tournament. I don't know why. I just think it's their time. I think Messi will be determined to win a World Cup. Uh, they've got lots of good, good players. I just fancy Argentina. I don't know why. Germany as well will be good on England. I've got to say, I think England, there seems to be no pressure on them. Nobody's expecting anything. The media are on their back a bit. It's always when they seem to do well. Who will win the golden boot? Uh, I think Messi. He's got a really good chance. Uh, it's hard to look past him. Um, uh, Robandowski, Germany. All the big players you can imagine. Mbappe, France. Uh, all the usual suspects. But I just fancy Messi this tournament. Who will win the World Cup? I said it earlier on. Uh, I just fancy Argentina. I think France will be strong as always. Uh, Germany. There's always good teams every World Cup. I think England have got a strong chance, as I said. Uh, but I do think, for some reason, that Argentina will win this World Cup. Brad, football, or as you call it, soccer, in the football. USA <laughs> is becoming more well-known. A member of a top of top players such as David Beckham, Stephen Gerrard... Gareth Bale and more have played in America. Do you think the improvement in the MLS is having a, a positive impact on the national team? Now it is. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't always. It when um, it was a double-edged sword. When salaries increased over here, um, some players opted to stay over here, but it. It, the level wasn't as good as the leagues over in Europe. It's getting better and better now. So now, as uh, if a player chooses his uh, to stay over here, they they can have a very good career and help out the mm. and help out the national team. Okay. You mentioned his name, David Beckham. He was the best signing that ever occurred for the United States, and um, it. He was at the end of his playing career. I don't mean what he did on the pitch as much, but because of how good he is off the field, how good he is with uh, with kids and fans and the public and media, and how big he actually was. That because I'm not I'm not for signing older players when they're at the end of their career for the league, but him he he put this league onto a different stratosphere of notoriety. He, he really he really did, and he helped out so much with owners believing in in the product with sponsors believing mm. in the product now he's the part owner of um of the inner miami team i live in miami now so i see what what kind of a pull he has because it, florida is notorious for not having good uh, fan base and because he's involved they get even when they're doing poorly they get fans it he he was so he um has been probably the most important player signing of, of all time in the MLS for, you know, probably if you, if you ranked 10 items, the 10th is probably his, him on the field playing, you know, there, he has so many other reasons why it's helped the league. So yes, our league, the league over here is getting better and better. It's not the Premier League, not close to the Premier League yet. We still have a, a couple of decades at least to go before we can get somewhere uh, close to that, but it, it's getting better and players, uh, You'll see the U.S. team. You watch the game against Wales and England. We're, we're a competitive group now. And a lot of those players started over here in MLS. I think, I think, Brad, when you look back over the years, the players that have played in America, I think the big difference when you talk about David Beckham, I think it, it, it stopped becoming like a gimmick, didn't it? You know, because you've had Pele, you've had, you know, yeah. some, some men Beckham, Bauer, Bobby Moore, you know, some 
unbelievable players. But I think it was more of um, a gimmick. Now, I think since David Beckham's been over there, as you said, it's become more professional within the within the football world. And I, I travel um, a lot to America, I holiday a lot. And the biggest thing I've noticed, certainly over the last 10 years, is you're seeing more and more football pitches uh, around all the different states where before it used to be a baseball or, uh, you know, the American football uh, posts up. Now you are actually seeing a lot of football pitches and goals. Um, I do a lot within within the academies in Cairo and, and America, and it's, it's it's becoming as big as the other sports now, isn't it, really? And I think that's the impact that probably Beckham and, and the players that are following him now are having. Yeah, and the owners are now bought in. And one of the reasons you see the football pitches all over the place is because they're putting the money into the grassroots. So it's, you know, they started at the top. They had to start a league. So they started with the first teams. Now the infrastructure within the academies are getting better. Coaching education's getting better. Um, the salary caps are are growing. They're able to bring, able to have um, really talented squads. Um, and once 2026 comes and we have the World Cup here, then there's going to be another billion and a bit invested in the in the sport. And then and then we're starting to get somewhere. What we really need, the last piece of the puzzle over here, we need to have some sort of a Champions League type format. So we we really have to get a part of the Copa Libertadores or uh, Copa Sudamericana and link up with the top um, South American nations with Mexico, with Central America. Then <clears throat> our top teams can go play Boca Juniors, for instance. That's a top game. Yeah, you know, mm. and we can and we can attract some more you know, top players. Is the pressure of playing in a major tournament different from the pressure of playing in a Premier League or Champions League? Um, but for me personally, I felt it. It's a different type of pressure, but I think it's it's more you're um, you're carrying the weight of a nation on your shoulders, and that's heavy. I think that yeah, I think it, it, you do feel that. I think it's more. You want to go out there and and do your best, but you're also in a in a sort of knockout competition like the Euros or the World Cup. You know you're one mistake away from from costing your country that, and that's a big responsibility, even more so for for Brad who played in goal. Sort of once you make a mistake in goal, then it usually ends up in the back of your net. Whereas me as a midfielder, it wasn't quite like that. But I definitely felt a pressure, but I felt really privileged to to have that pressure. Eleven eleven players got will get chosen to start a game for their country. Um, and for you to be on that team sheet, there is pressure, but you you welcome it because it's, it's you say you're at the absolute pinnacle and it's a real privilege. So yes, but you welcome it. I think it's, 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 it's to play. I mean, as I said earlier on, I only got youth and under 21 uh, internationals, but I think it's such an honour to represent your country. And I think that disappeared for a while, for a few years. But now I think it's it's back now. And I think that uh, if you're if you're representing your country at the highest level, which is the World Cup, then basically um that that's an unbelievable achievement as as a as a player personally. Uh, because as Dave said, you are representing the whole nation and um 
that's nothing to be um, discarded. That that is an unbelievable achievement. So anybody who goes to a World Cup, and I, I hold my head, you know, um, I tilt my cap to the two boys there, you know, Brad and Dave, because they've done that, and it's um, there's no better feeling than putting on a, a national shirt. I know it's you know putting on a, a club shirt is fantastic, but to actually put on a national shirt and represent your country, I know even at the level at, that I played at um, was an unbelievable feeling, and I'll never forget that. And I've still got my my caps and my my suit uh, from from under 18s. I've still got the the beige suit that I you know my dad and my mum and dad kept it for many many years in in a wardrobe. So. All the memorabilia from such a tournament is uh, you you will keep, and and no one can take that ever away from you, and that's the achievement that uh, comes with it. For me, the pressure in a uh, playing for the U.S. was less than playing in the Premier League. It just because of the media, the the scrutiny the the British players are under when you go to the main with the major events from the fan support to the media and now social media today was a lot bigger than the U the US. So the pride of going out and representing your country was immense, but it was such a nice feeling not to have all the pressure as Dave hinted at it as a goalkeeper in the Premier League. Unless you have the clean sheet, your your every mistake, every goal against is is on this loop on on Sky Sports News every every 25 minutes and you get to see the mistake again and again and again and again <laughs> and then people are texting it to you and then people are writing about it and then if you make two mistakes in a row should they go buy a new this that or the other if a striker hasn't scored in two games oh it's time you know there's different pressure over in the Premier League and so when you go to the when you went and played for the United States there was really no articles written ever about anything until the match report and it was it was so and then most of the journalists were trying to build the sport so they wouldn't really they wouldn't really kill you so it was such like a nice experience in that manner it's so just in the premier league it's, it's just all on top of you now everyone's a journalist because you all have the smartphones so what is it like during a major tournament for you as players dave you played at Euro 2016 in France, and Brad, you went to three World Cups in the USA, France and Japan. What is it like during the tournament when you are just in the hotel? What sort of things do you get up to? Basically, we're asking if there's any little jokes you'd like to pull <laughs> on each other. <laughs> you, Evil you, time. You're, you're there for, for a long time, or hopefully... If you get into the latter stage of the tournament, we got to the semi-final, so we was away for a good six, seven weeks. And um, it is a stray. I've got children at home and a wife at home, so you, you do miss your home comforts. But then at the same time, we had such a good team spirit that it was just like being on a holiday with your mates. That's how we find it when we was over in France. And yeah, we had sort of loads of pranks and things going on. We used to we got split up into different groups at the start of the tournament, and we'd have a quiz. Um, sort of every other day and then the losing team would have forfeits to do and sometimes it would be you have to get up and sing a song you have to do a dance you have to phone somebody uh, and put on an accent all these different things and horrifying at the time but I look back and it, it was a good laugh I remember I had, I had to get up and sing on my own 
um, for 30 seconds. I had to dance on my own to no music for 30 seconds, all in Euro 2016, which is me out of my comfort zone massively. Um, but it's funny watching it when it's not you. Um, but yeah, we, we had a great time. We, we really did. Um, wicked team spirit. And I say it's just loads of fun. Looking towards this World Cup in Qatar, we are going to start with USA. All three of you, feel free to answer and ask questions of each other. But Brad, who do you feel are the most important players for USA heading into the World Cup? Um, Weston McKinney, if he's fit. I just saw that he has uh, he was out for 15 days. Uh, he plays at Juventus. He's our... And, um, I coached him uh, when I was with the under-19 national side. He's our best player. I know a lot of other names get more plaudits, but he's he's our he's the main guy. If, if he's not fit, um, that's a big loss for us. Tyler Adams at Leeds again in the middle of midfield. He he's an important player. Giovanni Reina at Dortmund. Uh, he's an important player. Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. Uh, he's an important player. Uh, Musa in the center of midfield, an important player. Um, and one of the unfortunate uh, events for us is um, in goal. We, our, our old number one was Zach Steffen, but he wasn't playing any football at Man City. He's now on loan at Middlesbrough and he's playing. Um, Matt Turner, who was playing all the time, he signed for Arsenal and he's not playing. So that's a that's a little bit of a because that's going to be an important position for us because we're not going to be bossing all the games that we play. And so our goalkeeper is going to be important. So I would keep our eyes on whatever goalkeeper plays and um, sort of mat- match winners if they're fit. Uh, Timothy Weah picked up a little knock as well, but like Timothy Weah, um, Giovanni Reina, uh, Luca Della Torre might be out as well. So we these are players that. Uh, um are all playing in europe serginio dest also who's playing at ac milan he's just picked up an injury so we'll have to wait and see who's going to be uh fit but what for me the best the most important if weston mckinney's not there then we have a big a big gaping hole in the center of our midfield i think i think for oh sorry i was just gonna say i think for wales it's still gareth bale even though he's say not as fit as what he he maybe wants to be but he him and Aaron ramsey the match winners Yes, so he still has those big moments, doesn't he? Well, do you know that the player that he had that over, uh, Jack Elliott, he's six foot six, almost six foot seven. Oh, that's wow. High, so he got a yeah. That's how high he left up. Yeah. Right? So, so when Wales do have a moment like LAFC did, and you want one player to be on the end of it, it's it's Gareth Bale, and he'll still produce those moments. And he might, he won't, he won't be the same player as he was in 2016, in particular when he was at, at the peak of his powers. But him and I'd say Aaron Ramsey. If, if we can get them fit and on the pitch, then they're two, I believe, world-class players who can turn a game themselves. So let's hope they're fit and available. Dave, um, Dave Jones, I just want to ask you about Aaron Ramsey because obviously you were Cardiff manager a long time ago now, but what was what's Aaron like as a player and what can we expect from him? Well, we knew when we had Aaron at uh, 15 that we had a, a special player on our hands and it was just managing him because we knew... Um, we were going to give him his debut pretty soon. So we took him out of junior football and he just trained with the first team. And I remember his parents coming to see us and saying that he wasn't playing games. But he, he was training with the likes of Robbie Fowler and Jimmy Floyd Asselbank and Trevor Sinclair. He was training with top, top players every day. And we said to his uh, parents that, 
if they just trust us a little bit, in two or three months he will play. And he got he, we played him in a, uh, a cup game, an FA Cup game against uh, a non-league side that we'd drawn in the FA Cup called Chase Town, and he and he scored. So it was all about um, just protecting him a little bit, making sure that what we did was right with him because. When you're a young player, I mean, you're still growing, you're still learning, and we didn't want to push him too much. But we noticed at such an early age that he was a special player. He had this um, this motion. He used to glide past players with the ball, and um, it's it's a rare, it's a rare commodity sometimes within within midfield players. And um, so it was just about protecting him. But once he broke into the team, he just grew in stature and then went on to play for Arsenal. I actually wanted him to go to Manchester United because uh, Fergie was going to let me have him back uh, for a season. Mm. But I knew if he went to Arsenal, I knew Arsene Wenger would, um, would play him. And that proved the point. And then we were lucky enough to get him back when he, he broke his leg, um, Arson wow. trusted us to look after him and um, get him back to full fitness, which we did. It probably cost me a promotion because he took him back with about 10 games to go. And uh, he was he was on fire at the time. So, um, no, Aaron was a special player and we knew that at such an early age. And when you get somebody like that, then you've just all you've got to do is make sure that you look after them in the right way. And ours was just not overplaying them or overtraining them. But uh, even all the players, uh, the Hasselbanks and your Fowlers were saying to us, this kid's something special. And he's proved to, to be that. Um, you know, he's gone on and had an unbelievable career. And I think, you know, this is the, the peak of it now, getting to a World Cup. We also asked our previous guest and former England rugby player Lewis Moody for his thoughts and feelings on the World Cup. Now, Lewis says his knowledge of football isn't great, as you can tell by his um, golden boot winner, um, who sadly isn't even going to be in the World Cup. But thanks to thanks to Lewis for his views, and here's what he has to say. So my thoughts on who will be the standout player um, for England, I'll go with Saka. Which team will be the surprise package of the tournament? Um, well, I'm getting a lot of this information from my son, who's far more um, knowledgeable on football than me. And he said Senegal, so I'm going to go with Senegal. Um, golden boot, golden boot. Well, if we're looking at the form of the Premiership, you'd have to go on Ireland. He's been quite remarkable. Um, and who's going to win the World Cup? My heart wants to say England, but. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with Brazil. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. Dave, Gareth Bale has not played much football leading up to this World Cup, and Aaron Ramsey has started four games this season. Is that going to be a problem for Wales? It's it's not ideal, but as long as they are reasonably fit and they're not pulling out of the squad, then I think it's... It's still okay. What what both of them have done when they play for Wales in recent years, they've come into games not being a hundred percent. But whenever they do pull on that shirt, they can get a performance out of them. We saw that in the in the last Euros as well. They're um, they're key key players, and 
players like that you don't necessarily need to have a hundred percent because they can do the the hardest things on a football field which is create and score and you don't necessarily need to be fit to do that whereas if if it was myself personally I know for me to be in the team I have to be as fit as possible run around physically good but when you have players who are that good then they don't have to be a hundred we'd love them to be don't get me wrong but they'll still play even if even if they're not Brad, I want. What do USA need to do to make it out of the group? Not lose the first game. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not losing would be good. Well, no, we'll not lose the first one. If we lose, um, if we lose against <laughs> Wales, uh, we play. We play you first, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I've got exactly the same thing as you. So yeah. you need to pick up something in the first game. Yeah, yeah. if we lose that, that because that you can't count on three points against England at all. Um, we could beat England, but it would be like a, a remarkable result. Um, and England, uh, as <coughs> as Dave Jones said earlier, they're, they're one of the favorites, and they are so. Um, and, and Iran is no pushover. They, you know that's not going to be. If you take Iran lightly, that's going to be a difficult game as well. So um, we have to have all of our players fit. If we don't have our our full uh, complement of players, then we'll find it very difficult to get out of the group. Um, we need Weston. We need uh, Tyler. We need Christian Pulisic. We need Giovanni Reina. Those are four big ones, and we need Musa in the uh, in the middle of the field. We have to have them fit, and we have to have a goalkeeper that's on point. Um, it's a, it's a hard it's a hard group. You know what worries me the most with our group is that not the England game so much because every player knows England's going to be good. I don't think they realize some of the players. I don't think they realize how good Wales are, and I, I would hate for them to go into a game against Wales thinking, "Oh, this is just Wales. We should be favorites here," because then we'll get will get beaten. I, so I, I hope they understand like exactly who it is they're playing against because um, like Dave said earlier, Gareth Bale, he could be 50% fit. I played with Gareth for two and a half or three years. You have Messi and you have Ronaldo. They're, they're, diff, they're different class. Gareth's in that next group of players and, and probably at, at his peak was probably that third guy. Uh, he, he is so good. Um, when when he is fully fit, it, you can't stop him. You couldn't before. I mean, Dave, would you agree? I, I mean, yeah, he was so he definitely. was so good, um, and he's big. I mean, he's six foot. He's like six foot two. He's he's, he's like wider than I am. He's strong. He's powerful. Um, I think he actually came over to LAFC, um, and really as a as a maintenance building exercise to get ready for the World Cup. I really do because then. I saw bursts of his brilliance, and then he, you know, and then he was out for about three weeks. But he was trading on his on his own. I mean, and when he wants to be the best, he he's unstoppable. We don't have too many players in our in our squad that can stop a Gareth Bale. I think, I think also, Brad, there's not many poor teams in the World Cup, is there? You know, to get there is, is uh, it takes a lot. So, I think England's problem is underestimating the three teams that are in the group to begin with. I think that... So I think if England play to their full potential, then yes, of course, everybody would expect them to to win the game because of the players that they've got. But if football was that easy, 
we'd all be winning tournaments left, right, and centre. So I think all all the all the all the um the groups are tougher than what people think. And uh, and Iran won't be an easy touch as well because they, they I've watched them a few times and they they're playing some really good football. You know, they've got a new manager in, in place and everything else. So it's um no, the, all, all the games are difficult. But you would expect that if they play to their full potential, then yes, you 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 could probably pick out you know the four semi finalists if, if every nation played to their best. But um, as you well know, the competitions don't always work out to what um, you know what people think is going to happen. Really, do Iran pose a threat to any of you? And do you see a situation where they finish in the top two? Yeah, me definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone in everyone in your group is is a threat. You you've got to be at your best, and and as as a manager and a coach, that that's the thing. That's the one thing that you're always telling players uh, when you play clubs or nations that you think are smaller than you. If you don't perform to the best of your ability, any anybody is. Is liable to uh, to win. Yeah, you, you've only got to look at the FA Cups. You look at the FA Cup. Why, why do small teams beat the Premiership sides and the Championship sides? It's because they're not playing to their full potential, and, and that can happen in any game. So um, I, I hope England approach every game in the manner that um, you know they're looking playing. You know the team opposites are are one of the best. I would hate to think that any player would take the foot off the gas thinking that this game's easy. Um, I would say, just quickly, sorry, Iran, when you look at the um, the world rankings, it is USA, Wales and Iran are very, very close. I think they're all within four places of each other or five places of each other. So that shows you that it's it's very, very competitive. I am just going to ask this question and leave it for the three of you to fight it out and argue for it. Which Uh-oh. two teams out of Wales, USA, England, Iran make it to the knockout stages and why? Let's just back <laughs> off and leave these lot to it. Debating time. I mean, head, head or heart. No bloodshed. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I personally think, I would like to think, you know, with uh, the players that England have, that they're going to they're gonna get through. I, if If not, then it's, if they don't get out of the group, then it's a then it's a, a real letdown. Um, me, me personally, I I think England will get out of the out of the group. I, I think it's between the USA and their uh, Wales. Who's um, I think that's the, who, who day who second day. So I think that that's the battle within the group. Uh, I. I would like to think, being an Englishman, that England are going to be there. But I think um, the USA and Wales are are the two other teams that are going to be battling to uh, to try and get that second spot. I, I hope. That, and that's on a first Cardiff manager, you've got to go with Wales, Dave, surely. <laughs> no, but I was still I was still an English manager uh, performing in Wales. So any holidays uh, in America all the time as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think it's um, on, on form and on players. You, you've got to say, you know, England should get there. 
and I hope they do. But um, they're going to have to fight. They're going to have to perform to the best of their ability to get through. Um, but on a personal level, I think that's going to be between Wales and the USA, who who who, who plumps for a second spot. Here at the Amethyst Academies Trust, we are incredibly ambitious for our schools and our pupils, and we believe that there is no ceiling on what can be achieved by anyone. Working in partnership with Penhall School and Tetnell Wood School, we are proposing to refurbish the beautiful Penhall Mansion, a grade two star listed building in Wolverhampton, into an exciting and professional specialist vocational college for young people aged 14 to 19 with special educational needs and disabilities. Changing the face of employability for young people with SEND, the college will offer specialist career pathways and in-house vocational learning experiences for students that will be open to the public. Students will be able to develop their skills, knowledge and flourish in confidence across a wide range of audiences. We need to raise £400,000 to refurbish the mansion and provide accessible and stimulated learning and working spaces for students and the community. We are relying on public donations, business relationships and support, no matter how big or small, to make this college a reality for our students. Donate today. Go to www.sedgwick.aatrust.co.uk Sedgwick College. Discover bright futures. Um, again, this question will hopefully create some debate, <laughs> but on the opening game of the tournament, I want to know your starting 11. I'm going to start with you, Dave. What is your way of starting 11? Okay. I'll, most of it picks itself, really. I think the goalkeeper's a tough one because Wayne Hennessy um, has never let Wales down. He's got the shirt at the moment, but he is not playing in the Premier League, whereas Danny Ward is playing every week at Leicester. So that'll be his I think. I think he'll go for Wayne Hennessy just because he's he's got the shirt and he's not letting down. Then I'd go for a back three of um, Ampadu, Joe Roden and Ben Davis, uh, wing backs of Nico Williams and Connor Roberts. Um, and midfield would be Joe Allen and Aaron Ramsey. And then a four, and then a front three. This is where it gets really difficult because really there's five players who he's got to select from and whoever gets left out of this front three will be very, very disappointed. Um, so Gareth, Gareth Bale will play. He'll occupy one slot. And then I think me personally, I'll go for Dan James. I think he's um, a quick winger who Wales could use his pace. And again, he's never let Wales down. Now I'd go for Kiefer Moore, the Bournemouth striker up front, just again, because he's something so different. He's a big physical striker, something else that Wales haven't got. Um, so that would be my my starting lineup, and it just means that Brennan Johnson, who's playing ever so well at Notts Forest, and Harry Wilson would be on the bench. They'd feel very hard done by left out, but Wales are in a good place that they got them sort of players to come off the bench. Brad, what's your starting eleven for USA? I would start with Turner and goal. Um, if fit, Anthony Robinson at uh, left back. If uh, fit, Serginho Dust at right back. Walker Zimmerman at center back. Now, my my favorite as the left center back, they probably won't be in the squad. Um, so we have to wait to see. Uh, but I like um, uh, Matt Miazga or Jonathan Brooks there. But So that would be my choice. But I'm not even sure if they're going to make the trip. Um, in the midfield, I would have uh, McKinney, Adams, and Musa. 
I would have Giovanni Arena on one side up front and Christian Pulisic on the other. And I would have Jordan P. Folk as the number nine. That's who I would that's who I would go with. Now oh, Brad, that's a lot stronger than I was imagining. That's got me nervous for the first game. Well, that's what I would do, but I'm not strong team. Yeah, but I'm not sure, Dave, like if some of those players will even be chosen for the squad. We have to wait. Like it's been it's been interesting. Like Jonathan Brooks has been left out completely just just cast aside. Matt Miazga came from Chelsea over here to Cincinnati. And from hit from him coming over here, Cincinnati uh didn't lose a game for 13 games, made the playoffs, and then lost one nil on a um to the eventual uh, to Philadelphia, who eventually finished um second position. Um we lost to LAFC. So I I don't really know what he's 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 persevered with Aaron Long, who's really struggled recently. Um and I think Aaron Aaron's fast but not not explosive and he relies he's not as explosive as some of the players will be playing against and he relies on it too much so i i, I that's my <laughs> a little worry but that team that i just named if they all play and they're fit that's a good that's in the, that's the wide good. air the wide areas in particular very yeah strong. really good wingers. and you could have timothy way come off uh come off the bench if luca della torre's fit he could come off the bench but we have if you'd notice we have in like six positions what ifs I I don't know if we're going to be if they're going to be fit, and then what the difference with us in England maybe probably similar to you is if we have our first players uh, injured, there's a, a decent drop off to the next one who comes in, whereas I think that's where England has better squad capabilities than Wales in the U.S. Is I think the next one that they bring in is of a higher standard. And we have to get an American point of view, so we asked our previous guest, WWE superstar Kurt Angle, his thoughts on the World Cup, and here's what Kurt has to say. This is Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist, and I want to wish the USA team the very best of luck in the World Cup this year. It's your year, Team USA. You can beat the favorites, Brazil and Argentina. I'll be cheering you on. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Finally, Dave Jones, what is your starting 11 for England? Well, I might surprise a few people now. I would start with Pope in goal. I would have Pope um, in goal for me. I think at right back, you, you've got a choice between Trippier and Trent Arnold, I think. And then centre-backs, I would go Kyle Walker and Stones for pace. I don't think in the World Cup you need to have uh, big centre-halves, out-and-out centre-halves. So I would go with Stones and Walker, and at left left back I would have Shaw. I would hold. I would have two holding midfield players. Hopefully he's going to be fit as the boy Phillips from Man City, and I would have Rice from uh, West Ham. And then you've got to have Harry Kane. Sure, you've got to have Kane up front. I would either play Mount or. Um, a player behind, whether it be Foden or it be Grealish. Um, but I would certainly put Foden and Sterling in. So I would go for for pace, pace and power um, in the first game, I think. Uh, and as Brad says, we, we have a, such a, a variety of players we can we can play. I mean, I, I, would, de- I would even put in... 
I would bring in someone like Barnes from Leicester, someone like that. But I would always go with pace. I think pace is a commodity that uh, people don't like in, in any tournament. Um, within that team that I've selected, there's probably only the goalkeeper that doesn't have any pace. The rest of them are uh, fly machines. And I think that that's what causes problems to any 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 opposition. So uh, I don't think we need... You know, I take Maguire by all accounts. He's, you know, now centre-half. But I think we can get away with it with the likes of Walker and Stones because they're such good players on the ball as well. Dave and Brad, you have both reached the knockout stages of a major tournament. How does knockout football change from playing in the group stages and what are your memories of it? Um, for, yeah, for me, the it was just amazing because we were... Apart from the, the very first game, so we, we got through the group and we won the first game, which me and Brad have just said how important that's going to be. Um, but once we got out of the group, we played Northern Ireland in the last 16. And that was a that was a real nervy game. It was one where we thought that we were probably favourites for. Um, and we felt a little bit pressure. We didn't play particularly well. But then the other two games after that, Belgium, massive, massive underdogs. So no pressure on us, just go out there, enjoy it. Everyone's expecting to go home afterwards. The chances of us beating Belgium are a little to nothing. And then we managed to do that. And then Portugal again, who went on to win it. No one was expecting us to win. So there's no pressure. It's just about going out and enjoying it as much as possible. And for, for us, because it was our first tournament, we've exceeded expectations and the fans were just so happy. But um, it, it, it is a strange feeling when you do get in, a knock, in those knockout games because all of a sudden you think I could literally be going home tomorrow or I could be staying for another week and it's um, yeah it's, it's a strange scenario to be in so in in 94 we um, we made it through a group with uh, a very good Swiss side a Colombian side that was one of the favorites and um, Romania who was who had who ended up uh, I think going finishing in the semifinals um and we made it out and we had to play brazil and that that's an interesting one because you're on home soil in 1994 and you're playing against brazil with a an absolutely mega star-studded team so going into it i'm not so sure um you know we thought we we weren't sure how well we'd compete to be honest with you because we were i mean they're so good um, they had uh, Leonardo was sent off just before halftime. Um, and uh, I remember it was a terrible injury. I fractured a Tab Ramos's skull in the in the incident. Yes. But at Bora Milutinovic, our head coach, he came in at halftime and it was nil nil. Like we were surprised we got to nil nil at, you know, at halftime. But we're up. We have a man advantage. And the first thing he says to us, he goes, he goes, all right, nil nil. We're at home. Um, we're playing against uh, Brazil. We're a man up. Now all things are just about level <laughs> because they were so good. Um, you know, so that was different. Then in 2002, um, it, we we got drawn against Mexico, which is our big rival. And the Mexicans had always said we would never be able to beat them on in a big competition, never be able to beat them on neutral soil, even though we beat them in the Copa America in 1995 in penalties. Sounds and, like underestimating. Yeah, and she it was, gets and, people kicked in the butt. And we beat them <laughs> and hard. We beat, and we beat them two 0 And that was uh yeah, but that was that was fantastic because we had the World Cup and it, the pressure was off because we made it through the group, but then the pressure was right back on because we really wanted to to uh to beat Mexico badly. 
And we did. And uh, so we had that. Yeah. Now, now we were sort of the kings of CONCACAF, um, you know, for a, for a short time, because the Mexican for years, decades and decades and decades, Mexico has been better than us. So it was a it was a fantastic feeling. Um, and then we went on to play uh, uh, Germany. It was, you know, so that then that came down to more of a no pressure situation. And we played really well in the day. What would a, su- a successful World Cup be for all for every all your countries? Well, for, it's an easy one for me for England is, is to win it. I think of we've been course. we've been to a semi finals, we've been to a final. I think the next stage is now is to win it, and we are one of the favourites. And if we play to our capabilities, then there's no reason why um, they're not capable of winning it, winning the World Cup. So. For me, success is is winning it. For for Wales, it's to get out of the group. I think that's the the big thing. If we can get out of the group, then that is that's a huge success, and then we can just really enjoy it. Um, but again, there'll be no disgrace for a country the size of Wales to to not make that. Just to be at the World Cup's an achievement. But the last two tournaments we've got out of the group, so hopefully we'll do that again. For the US, it's it, at this stage. It's uh, getting out of the getting out of the group. What I, the only caveat I would add to it is if we do make it out of this group, um, and I've said it many times and our players are fit, then I'm, I, I don't think we're a team that many would want to play against because we'll be the underdogs against pretty much everybody um, on paper. But if you see that the starting 11 I put out there, if we're all fit, we're good. Mm-hmm. So, You know what they say, everyone loves an underdog. <laughs> <laughs> Looking ahead to the next World Cup in 2026, and I guess this is a question for you, Brad. The World Cup is going to be held in the USA. What sort of World Cup can we expect? And how will it be different from 1994 when the USA last hosted it? Oh, it'll be a lot different because our fan base is far more educated on um, on football now. Um, you have the sport has grown um uh, as, as Dave alluded to earlier um when he when he travels over here the sport is sports I didn't even recognize it when I moved back here in 2015 um the landscape the train the training grounds the stadiums the the academies the the uh, social media the media the television programs the uh, the dedicated um youth I I, I think we're either the number one or the number two largest participated sport in the United States now amongst our grassroots. Uh, so it, it it's a completely different landscape. So I think when the World Cup comes here and between Canada and Mexico, um, you're going to see in most every city where there's games and where there's not games, the people will be in the bars, the restaurants, on the streets watching them. So I think however many people were, were over here for the World Cup in 94, I think you can um, you can at least double, if not triple, the uh, the fan participation in all the cities uh, for twenty twenty six. For me, Brad, I think the biggest difference will be also this World Cup. I think that um, I think it's fifty mile radius where all the stadiums are in. I think when it's being held in uh, the USA. In four years' time, I think I think the traveling is going to be a little bit different to what it is in Qatar at this moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you have um, you also have different weather, um, whereas in Qatar it's going to be this, obviously the same. Um, this one, go, yeah. Yeah, you go from dry uh, to you go from very, dry very, 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 very wet. 
in, in the smog. And then if you're up in Canada, then, you know, you might even get a, if you play in the evening time or earlier on, you might even get like a coolish breeze. <laughs> so it's, there's going to be different pockets of weather during that World Cup. Um, we would like to finish with a quick World Cup quiz. All the questions have a number as the answer. So we will ask a question and you have to give us a number. The person with a person closest wins a point. Are you ready? Competition time. <laughs> you ready? Rubbish at quizzes. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't worry. This is a subject you know very well. Question one. Qatar hosts of this year, year's World Cup. But what are they currently ranked in the world according to the FIFA rankings? No Googling. <laughs> no cheating or we'll be on you like well referee 52 oh that's I'll go 100 I'm going nice round number um I'll go uh what how many are there there's what 183 190 or something like that um I'm gonna say well you did I'll split it I'll I'll say uh seven, 77 uh and the answer is 50 so we all know who won this round. Wow. So you've got who's next to you in the in your car, Dave? Someone, <laughs> or, or you got, you have a, or you have a you have you have a stack. You're not cheating, you. are you, Mr. He's Jones? At 49. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. Brad Friedel has been to three World Cups, but how many goals have been scored past him at World Cups? Oh, oh, oh. This will be fine. Me and Dave should go first because Brad should. Yeah. Well, Dave, oh, thanks, thanks for that, Dave. Uh, <laughs> so you got you got like the got like the group, didn't you? So I'm going to say twenty. Fourteen. Wait, against me. How many yeah. goals? Yeah, have you conceded at the World Cup against you personally? But just me, eight. Yep. Yeah. And the answer is seven. You wow. in this round, Bradley? Yeah. I've done you a disservice there, Brad. Sorry. <laughs> should, oh, hang on, hang on. He should did, win it. Did, did you not? Did, <laughs> yeah, but I went a bit high. But, but, I have it, but, but I'm obviously a bit older now because I forgot one. Um, question three. Dave Edwards scored three goals for Wales, but we want to know how many minutes of international football did Dave play between scoring his first goal for Wales and his second goal for Wales? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a trick question. He's probably scored in the same game. It's going to be like a, a minute or something like that. Uh, Dave, if you don't get this right, because I have no... Um, how many minutes in between goals? His first, yes. and his, his first and his second. He's counting right there. So I'm trying to think in... Yeah, I don't know how many games it was. I'm trying to think in years. So it's not that close. I'm going to... I think you scored two games on the trot. Yeah. So yeah. What you... I think he scored. I think he's trying to throw us a curveball. <laughs> I think. I think forty-eight. You're forty-eight minutes. I'll go two hundred and seventy minutes. I'm going to go more. I'm going to say four hundred minutes. The answer is three hundred and eighty-one minutes. So who got that one? Edwards was very close. <laughs> he just got his own. I was just trying to make you feel good, Dave. <laughs> I said they're a good year apart I think they were maybe a bit longer, so. right, you've all got one each there's two questions left Michael Owen is England's youngest ever goal scorer at World Cup when he scored at the 1998 World Cup against Romania 
but we want to know how old he, was he in years and days when he scored. And days. <laughs> Challenging. We're evil. <laughs> I was playing with him at the time. Um, so you might get this one. Well, I, I no, I told you I'm rubbish at quizzes. So <laughs> thinking back, I think he was, was he 17 or 18? It was 98. So 97, he came on his 16. <laughs> You're 17 or 18 years of age. I'm going to say 17 and uh, 17 and 220 days. I'll say 18 and 100 days. I'll say 17 and 250. Okay, and the answer is 18 years and 190 days. There, so you got it, Dave. Oh, so Dave, is winning one question. He was 18. I saw a program with him yesterday talking about it. He was 18. Oh, he cheated. <laughs> it's not cheating. It isn't cheating. Um, Last question. The top goal scorer for the USA at World Cups in... Landon Donovan for England it, it is Gary Lineker and for Wales it is Ivor Allchurch but how many goals have they scored at World Cups combined how many does Lineker have uh, I was so evil um alright you're 20 you're 20 um yeah. How many goals does your fella have in Wales? <laughs> well, we only qualified one. Bradley, who are you chatting to? <laughs> no, but I'm not chatting to anybody. You can see. I heard you talking to somebody. No, no I was talking to the camera. I'm not no, talking. No, you weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I talking heard to that. I'm in the United States. Nobody knows that Wales even played in a World Cup. <laughs> Come on. Um, oh, you said 20? Yeah, I might have been over there, maybe. I think Gary Lynn scored. In. I'll, yeah, I'll say... I'll, I'll, in a few times. I'll yeah, say... I'll, I'll say 16. I don't know. So that, it's easy for me. I'll go 18. The answer is 17. Um, oh, it's in between. <laughs> Donovan has five. Lineker has 10. And all, all search has two. So, Brad and Dave Jones, you've got a point each. Are you, you all so drew... So we all drew. There we go. And no, I was I had no help from the audience because <laughs> the only people here know nothing about football, I assure you. <laughs> I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It has been a pleasure to chat to the three of you. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Nice to see Um, you guys. Yeah, cheers, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Um, So, Alyssa, how did you think of today's episode with the three special guests? It was fun. I've never interviewed three people at once. Um, personally, I thought it was also great to have uh, Dave Edwards back on the podcast because he was back during season hmm. one, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, it was, yeah. I don't and, think I was there for that. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah, I, just, I, I found the debates very interesting, um, learning from different World Cups and preparing to the next upcoming one. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful for all the three guests on here. Um So everyone listening, um, make sure to tune in again for next episode. 
Um, we'd really appreciate that. And make sure to go follow us on the social medias, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and also YouTube. And also, if you haven't already, make sure to listen to us on either Spotify or Apple Music. All right. Anything else you want to list? That's it. <laughs> Peace, everyone. Uh, see you all next time. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.